Welcome to Commission. I'm Pastor Eric Teitelman. And I'm Jed Robine. In each episode, we will talk about the gospel of the kingdom, declaring God's heart for the restoration of Israel and all the nations. So join us as we together explore the mysteries of the one new man. Welcome to the Commission Podcast. Great to have you with us again. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, last episode, Eric, we were talking about the story of Peter and Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, and this mm-hmm. amazing interaction between Peter and this Roman centurion who mm-hmm. identified with the God of Israel. He feared the God of Israel, giving alms, uh, taking care of the poor. Whatever he was doing caught God, God's eye yes. and his heart. And so God uh, wants to send the Holy Spirit to Cornelius and baptize him and bring him into the mm-hmm. family of God. So he sends Peter the Jew, who has to overcome hundreds of years of teaching in one moment to, that's right. to everything that he thought was unclean, God is said, suddenly saying, nope, that's clean. Mm-hmm. That which you thought was common, I'm saying is holy. And so it's a watershed moment really in human history Yes, as the, the Jewish world comes into the Gentile world by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the gospel breaks out of Israel mm-hmm. for the first time in Acts chapter 10. And and today's episode, we're going to kind of continue the story a little bit as we look at what happens now in the in the narrative of church history. Right. This amazing moment's happened. I love the honesty of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Really, really good things can cause complications that we have to work <laughs> through. And how do we work through those complications and the questions that arise that are actually natural questions because we've been relating to God in a certain way for so yes. long Suddenly God does a new thing, and it causes us to, for a minute, it feels like, well, now there's a spanner in the works, you know, like God's, yes. there's a monkey wrench in the machine. And what are, we, what are you doing, Lord, and how does this all fit together? And so naturally, what ends up happening is with the Gentiles coming in and being filled with the Holy Spirit, there's this amazing chapter, Acts 15. There's controversy within the, the early church. Yes. What do we do? with the Gentiles that are getting saved. It's right. clear they're being filled with the Holy Spirit, but do we bring them into the law of Moses? Right. Do we? Are they circumcised? Do we make them Jews in order to get salvation? Right. Do they need to become Jewish is right. really the question that's on the table. And really, in their defense, as we look back on it now, we have, we have the illumination of other letters that Paul's written that clarify how, we're, how one is saved, they didn't have any of that information. That's right. They're navigating uncharted waters, and, and in their defense, uh, there's always been a way for Gentiles to to join Israel. You talked about it last episode. You could you could marry into it, but you would con- you were to be considered a proselyte. That's right. One that converts, and you you get circumcised, yes. and you come under the law of Moses, and you become one of with the house of Israel. That's right. So they're asking that question, do these guys that are getting saved by the power of the Holy Spirit, are they proselytes? Mm-hmm. And as we kind of look at this controversy here in Acts 15, it's, it's a, an amazing moment in church history of the, just the beauty of, of God, how he works through human beings yes. that are imperfect, that have questions, and how he brings about an amazing consensus. So... I'd love to hear your thoughts as we get ready to dive in on maybe 
Any further reflections you have on Peter and Cornelius, Eric, or if you want to say anything about setting up Acts 15? Well, you know, I think the story with Cornelius kind of ends really after that. We don't hear much about, if anything, about Cornelius again, although Peter obviously is still in the story and he he gets rebuked by Paul mm. for essentially give, creating a double standard, so to speak. In other words, acting one way around the Jews, and then when the Gentiles would come in, he would he would shun them. He wouldn't pay attention to them. And so he had the, so again, he had this vision, this revelation from God that this wall has been torn down, that God mm. has now brought salvation and the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles. And without any partiality and without any conditions, without any expectations that these Gentiles, Cornelius or his family or anyone else, had to become Jews or circumcise their flesh, or do anything in the natural, or to follow the law of Moses in order to enter the kingdom of God. Right. And so, I, from my perspective in reading the, the scriptures, I think that it's pretty clear that God did not put any preconditions or conditions on the Gentiles. But, but the Jewish people had been bound to the law of Moses for so long, and things like circumcision and other ordinances that God gave to Israel as eternal ordinances, such as the feasts, the festivals, the Passover. We couldn't just break away from those and say, well, you know, these are gone now. We, you know, we just start a whole new religion. So we were struggling. I mean, I could mm. kind of, putting myself back as a Jewish person back into their mindset, you know, several thousand years ago, I would have been probably thinking the same way. Like, what do we do with these Gentiles? Right. I mean, yes, they're not saved by following the law of Moses or not saved by circumcising their flesh. But, you know, should they circumcise their flesh? Because, I mean, after all, that is a sign of the covenant that God gave with Abraham. And their sons now called sons of Abraham. We know that, right? So, should, you know, so all these questions and should they do this and should they do that? And what about the Sabbath? I mean, that was an ordinance mm. that God gave to the whole creation to rest on the seventh day. And the list goes on and on. So I, I can only imagine that they were just simply struggling mm -hmm. to figure out what to do with the Gentiles. And the other thing is, you know, if you look at the Jewish people being under sort of one lens for thousands of years and the law of Moses, the Gentiles were under a completely different lens. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had all kinds of gods and foreign gods and their own sort of cultural norms and things that, that they did and were, were accustomed to that they had to break from as well. So it's almost like God is challenging both the Jews to break out of their mold and the Gentiles to break out of their mold. And, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit more when we talk about the one new man, but the two words in there that really strike me is it's one mm. and it's new. So if we're a new creation in Christ, God is doing something in us as, as the Jewish people that is going to change us in some way from what we, the old nature and who we were and bring us into this new creation. And the Gentiles, he's doing the same thing. If they're a new creation in Christ, he is bringing them out of their old nature and their old way into this new thing as well. It's well said, brother. And, you know, I think if we could just spend a little bit of time on the rebuke there that Paul brings to Peter, and it's a, it's a loving rebuke, yes. but when you think about the dynamics there, uh, I think it's important, you know, if Peter is hanging out with the Gentiles when the Jews are not around, and he's one of the guys, mm -hmm. and then his Jewish brothers show up and he kind of, you know, turns around and pretends he doesn't know the Gentiles, uh -huh. 
what he's really doing is he's rebuilding a wall, like that's, you said. That's right. The wall of enmity. Yes. And he's making a distinction where God is not has no longer made a distinction. That's right. And so if Paul didn't confront that, if the Holy Spirit didn't deal with that, um, he would be undermining the very family mm-hmm. that God is trying to build. That's right. You know, you're equal. Where Paul goes on to say in Galatians chapter 3, there's no Jew, there's no mm-hmm. Greek, there's no male, there's no female, there's no slave, there's no free. Um, that the distinctions that the world relates to each other on don't mm-hmm. exist in the kingdom of God because our life is hidden in the Messiah. That's right. And so if you're a woman, you have the life of Messiah. Mm-hmm. If you're a man, you have the life of Messiah. If you're a slave, you have the life yeah, of Messiah. Yeah, that's right. And and so because we all are equal mm-hmm. in there, if we treat each other with preferential treatment, and you know James talks about this too in, in, in his letter, you know, don't mm-hmm. show preferential treatment to the rich. Yeah, that's right. Don't give the rich special seats at the front. Mm-hmm. Um, why is he saying that? Because it's it's adding a division into the family of God mm-hmm. that actually hinders and harms mm-hmm. those that God loves dearly. That's right. As his sons and daughters. And so it's really, I think, important for us to underline that here, because I think it's very easy. Our human nature wants to rebuild the wall of division. Mm-hmm. We want to divide over any number of beliefs or practices. We would rather separate and be with people that are just like us yes. than we would have than we would want to fight to um, relate to people that are different than us. And we look for we look for absolutes. I mean, you know, the Jewish people when God when they came before the Lord on Mount Sinai, they said to Moses, they said, "All the Lord tells us to do, we will do it." In other words, they were saying, "Give us the checklist, hmm. give us the the ten things that you want us to do to you know to make you happy and to appease you." And so there's a natural sense. People, we love. I love structure. We sort of gravitate towards things that are orderly and organized. And so if you have a list of things that, you know, a compliance list. And that's essentially what God gave to the Jewish people. I mean, he gave them the law so that they would, there were a lot of reasons why he gave them the law to instruct them, to teach them. But I think probably one of the most important reasons that he gave them the law was to show just how short they were of fulfilling the law. Because if they, the Jews tried to fulfill the law perfectly, they would have been impossible. I mean, they would have failed and repeatedly failed over and over again. And in this endless cycle of bringing animal sacrifices to atone for their sins, it was just this never-ending cycle of imperfection. You never you never achieve that level of perfection that you would hope to achieve. You can never achieve God's standard of perfection. You can never do enough. So so that that's, you know, I can understand where the, you know, coming again from as a Jewish mind, living in Israel under the law, living in an Orthodox home hmm. and attending an Orthodox yeshiva community. For a while there, I, you know, it was very comforting to just follow the, these laws and to right. do exactly what you're prescribed to do. And this sense of being, this sense of belonging that comes from being part of a, a community where you're connected to a set of rituals and customs. But the, prob- the problem is that, that that very same law is exactly what caused the separation between Israel and her surrounding Gentile nations. And the only way they could reconcile that difference was either to make the Gentiles become exactly like the Jews in mm. every way, circumcision all the way to fulfilling every single jot and tittle of their ordinances and laws and statutes, or they had to kind of let them go 
And I think that what happened is that the Gentiles kind of went off and started forming a religion that was now kind of separate from its own Jewish foundation. Yes, that is part of uh, some unfortunate things that happen in church history. Uh, but as we kind of camp out at Acts 15 for a second, mm-hmm. it says there's vigorous debate. Yes. Which I love. You know, In a Jewish circle, uh, that would be a lot of debating. <laughs> I, and I love that. I, I think there has to be room. I, I would love to see more of it in uh, the Ecclesia today where we're family. Yes. We don't see things all the time the same way. That's that's true. And it's okay to have vigorous debate. Vigorous debate doesn't mean there isn't love. That's right. And we, in a certain way, we're missing just some respect mm-hmm. for one another's perspectives and, and listening, you know, seeking to understand rather than be understood, seeking to listen before we speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that here there's this, you know, really an apostolic council mm-hmm. that's meeting. And it's important for us to remember, you know, we have a perception of the early church that it's the it's basically the disciples and and those original 3,000 that got saved. But God was adding to their number daily. Daily, that's right. And it says in uh, Acts 21 that there was tens of thousands that were zealous for the mm-hmm. Torah. yes. That were there, and and I believe in Acts chapter six, it talks about Levites and priests and mm-hmm. Pharisees. They were Levites, being priests, added. And Pharisees. so That's you right. have really a diverse religious experience within the nation of Israel that's mm-hmm. getting saved. That's right. And they are interacting these different streams that Jesus is actually interacting with on his earthly ministry. Right. Um, they're actually now believing in him. That's right. But they're bringing their perspectives of their certain rabbinic streams into this council. And so I think vigorous debate is easy to to understand when we realize yes. the religious complexity of Israel mm-hmm. um, and, and, and the it, diversity that existed in that, right. in that religion. And and there was, there was also, the, you also had proselytes, like you mentioned earlier. So these were Gentiles that had essentially converted to Judaism and took on all of the Jewish laws and customs and requirements. And so it was a combination of Hmm. of Jews that had been following the law of Moses for thousands of years and proselytes that had been brought in as well. So very, very complex religious and and political spectrum that that was going on at that time. So they have this debate and, and Paul and Barnabas are essentially arguing with what are called Judaizers in scripture. These were men that wanted the Gentiles to essentially begin following all of the laws of Moses, including circumcision, and that was a big point of contention. And they're debating and arguing against it, uh, which is why some people say that Paul was against circumcision, but but he really wasn't. He was just simply saying that circumcision was not something that God had placed on the Gentiles as a requirement or a sign of their covenant with him or any burden, that those things were not part of God's plan for the Gentiles. And so they go up to Jerusalem, and James is essentially the leader of the church, and they have this, like I said, vigorous debate, and they make a decision, it's a very clear decision, and they leave with this message, they leave a, they write a letter, and they give the Gentiles four very basic rules, not means of salvation rules, but just four basic rules to live by, and they say, your life will go well if you follow these things. You know, stay away from fornication, don't eat anything sacrificed to idols or strangled or anything with blood in it. And they say, just go with that. 
And what I think they were trying to do was not put a heavy burden of any part of the law on the Gentiles. They didn't want to restrict their ability to come to salvation. They didn't want to put any conditions or tasks on them to say, oh, you can get saved if you become this or do these things. Right. I think that's well said, you know, that as they work through the issues, what do we do with these Gentiles? It's, I love this phrase. It was it, it, when they write the letter mm-hmm. and they send it out to the different, you know, Gentile congregations. It's good to us and to the Holy Spirit. That's right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You know, the harmony between uh, believers working through some things and seeking God's revelation and wisdom. Right. Um, and we arrive at a conclusion, and this is where we're at. It's good to our hearts, and it's good to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And basically, they welcome him to the family. That's right. And it's a hospitable letter. Even mm-hmm. though there was vigorous debate, they land in a place of love and acceptance of the Gentiles yes. coming into faith. And you know, there's the 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 problem is solved. Mm-hmm. For for the moment, even the though moment. we know that there continues to be Judaizers that Paul is confronting, because he writes the letter to Galatians. Yes, you know that there still is this temptation out there in the Gentile frontier mm-hmm. as the gospel's being preached to come come under the law. You, That's right. In order to really get saved, you need to come under the law of Moses, mm-hmm. and the sign of that you're under the law of Moses is this sign of circumcision. That's right. And yes. so he's always fighting that. That battle. In fact, Paul doesn't mince any words. He actually he calls out those false teachers, and he says, "I wish that they would basically castrate themselves." <laughs> um, right, that's you know, a pretty harsh, that, pretty harsh statement, isn't uh, it? Yeah, pretty direct. Yeah, you know, the, the very gracious apostle, but he was at his wit's end. That's right. With trying to reinforce the basic tenet here that's supported at the apostolic council, mm-hmm. you don't need to get be circumcised to be saved. That's right. You just need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. And if you believe that in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, you are saved and you have a seat at the table with Jesus. Amen. And everybody else that believes in him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I think it's really a beautiful picture of harmony and hospitality, but we can't lose sight of the fact that there was vigorous debate and there was a shaking going on and it's okay for there to be shaking. Yeah. It's okay for us to wrestle through theological issues and God is in those wrestling matches and he's there to help us. Right. Um, and his law is a law of love. And when right. we land on that law of love and we affirm the dignity and the worth and the value of the family of God, we just it's life affirming and it's faith affirming uh, to our brothers and sisters around the world. So it's just an, a neat story to visit as we kind of continue on our path here on the Commission Podcast. Any any other last thoughts from your perspective, Eric? Nope, you summed it up beautifully. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode, and we'll continue on our journey. Next episode, we'll be looking at the theology of the wonder man that Paul lays out for us in Ephesians chapter 2. God bless you. If you have enjoyed this podcast from Commission, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our ministry websites. We pray the Lord richly blesses you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.